I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. For just a minute, I want to speak about the passage that the Hennessy's read for us just a minute ago as we uh, transition into a time of communion. We're going to gather around the table in just a minute, and then uh, we'll light our candles and sing a, a few songs at the end. For this Christmas Eve, I want to just uh, speak about the names of Advent, the names of Advent. You heard Sean read them in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. When you think about Christmas, it truly is a contrast of worldviews. It's how you see things, how you see world events, how you see the past, how you see the present, and how you see the future. Because of time tonight, we won't read Isaiah chapter 8, but that's your homework assignment, all right, to go read it. As Isaiah writes prophetically 700 years before the birth of Christ, and he basically says that everybody's going to be ticked off. Everybody's going to be mad at the king. They're going to be mad at God. They're going to be walking around with their heads down. They're going to be defeated. They're going to be discouraged. There's negativity. There's negative news. There's negative people. There's not a lot of joy and not a lot of happiness until something changes. Does that sound familiar to you? It really was the same way at the actual time of the birth of Christ. 700 years later, when Jesus was born, guess what? Darkness filled the earth. Heavy taxation. Gloom in every direction when Christ was born. Here we are in 2022 on Christmas Eve, and some things never change. The world is in upheaval. The world is in chaos. And as you look at the world tonight, the question really is, do you look at it through a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview, or do you look at it from a view that does not see the baby in the manger? I mean, if you know the Christmas song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Wave at me real quick. Anybody want to stand up and sing it for us? Okay, maybe we don't have any Dons in the room tonight. We don't want Don to sing. But Noel Regney and her, his wife and he wrote this song during the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and you hear it every year at Christmas time as Bing Crosby sings, Do You Hear What I Hear? But a little bit later on in the song, he asks the question, Do You See What I See? So I want to ask you tonight, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see light in the darkness? Can you see the good in the middle of all the bad? Can you see the justice of our God and our Savior in the midst of injustice? Can you see joy in the midst of sorrow? Can you see laughter and peace in the midst of anger? 
World history records for us that world leaders, world governments, they come and they go. But there is one thing in the middle of the chaos that remains the same. The remedy for the world's misery is in a name. And that name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Charles Spurgeon said, we write his name, the name Jesus. We write it on the banner of our lives because it is hell's terror, heaven's delight, and earth's hope. The masses tonight are crying out, searching for hope. People want more calm. They want less anxiety and less fear. They want peace. And you and I have a message that the world needs to hear. Those things are found in a name. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, She, Mary, Mary will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came on a mission to be born in Bethlehem to ultimately die on a wooden cross to save us, to deliver us from our sins. And I would say to you, in this world today of 8 billion people, there are some that have never heard his name. They don't know who Jesus is or what he did. There are many people that have heard his name. In many places, he has a very recognizable name, but maybe not as revered in his name. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, look on the screen, verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, you might say tonight, Tim, I'm an atheist. We're glad you're here. I- I'm an agnostic. I'm so glad you're here. I- I'm, a- I'm a pantheist. Man, I'm glad you're here. But I want you to know one day you're going to be a deist. You're going to believe there is a God. And you are going to bow. You're going to bow at the name of Jesus. The only question, the only question is this. Are you going to do it now or are you going to do it later? Are you going to do it now? Or are you going to do it when Christ returns? We have a song we sing here at the church. It's entitled, There's Power in the Name of Jesus. And the words go like this. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's hope. There's strength. There is victory to claim. There is healing in his holy presence. There is power in his name. And friends, tonight, that is not just a song. It's what we believe. It's in our DNA that Jesus Christ is the name above all names. Will you say his name with me, Jesus, together? Jesus. We say it again? 
Jesus. Did you know that in the Bible, there are over 200 names that are given to our Lord and Savior? Jesus is his name. He will save his people from their sins. But yet in other places, you see different names of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, just a couple of chapters before what Sean read for us tonight, Isaiah wrote prophetically, therefore, uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name will be, say it with me, Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God is with us. 700 years before his birth, there are eight different names given in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. They're actually coupled together four groups of two to describe this baby that would be born in Bethlehem. And for just a brief moment, I want you to look at them with me if you would. What would this baby be like or or how would he function or what would he do? What are the capabilities of now we know the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was born? He is, first of all, the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor. Now, notice that word wonderful. It just simply means indescribable. You cannot describe Jesus just with the English vocabulary because you can't limit him. He is truly indescribable. He is magnificent. Jesus is wonderful in his birth. He's wonderful in his life. He's wonderful in his death. He was wonderful in his ministry on earth. He was wonderful in his ascension back to heaven. And he will be wonderful when he comes again to receive us back into heaven. Every Easter we play, or for several years, we played a video by a pastor named S.M. Lockridge uh, who uh, begins to describe Jesus, and he gives him many of the names that are mentioned in the Bible. And after he rattles off about 100 to 150 of them, he just pauses and he says, oh, I wish I could describe him, meaning that he is indescribable. He's wonderful. But notice, he is a wonderful counselor. And that, and that couplet there means exactly what it says, that Jesus gives the best advice. Jesus gives the best direction in life. How many of you at times need some counsel or direction from those around you? You need help, right? Maybe you need some advice. I remind you that it was through bad advice in the book of Genesis that the world was ruined by the choices of Adam and Eve as they were influenced by Satan, right? They received bad counsel. You will never receive bad counsel from Jesus because he is the wonderful counselor. Now, here's the reality, gang. You can go to counseling, you can go to counselors, and you can get their advice and then do absolutely nothing with it. You can ignore it. Or how about this? Even when you have the best counselor, they cannot always help you accomplish the advice that they give you. But when you come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. He is with you and he helps you and he will walk with you at every step of the way. He gives you direction in life. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're floundering and you have no direction, God sent you here for me to tell you tonight, he's the wonderful counselor. 
He gives perfect direction. He's also the mighty, the mighty God. Now watch this. He's the mighty God. So if anybody would ever say to you, Jesus was a good man, Jesus did wonderful things, but Jesus was not God, just bring them to Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus is the mighty God. And that phrase means that he is the mighty warrior. He will fight our battles for us. He goes before us. Moses used this name in Exodus chapter 15 as God fought the battle for his people as they came out of Egyptian bondage and they came up to the Red Sea. They were, they were surrounded on all sides and they didn't know where to go. They couldn't turn around. They would be heading right into the battle. And what did God do for them? He parted the Red Sea. He let them walk across on dry ground, and then after they got to the other side, the waters closed up, and the Egyptian army was defeated. And you know what Moses did? They began to sing. Exodus chapter 15, they began to sing that he is the mighty God. And church, hear me tonight. We need to often be reminded that through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the mighty God, the mighty God, the warrior. He lives in us, and he lives through us. He's all-powerful. He's never fearful. He's not fearful of the enemy. He's not fearful of the obstacles in your life. You can trust him. You can rely on him because he truly is the mighty God. He's also the everlasting father, the everlasting father. Isn't it interesting here that Jesus is called the father? We think uh, we are Trinitarians. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But here he's referred to as the everlasting Father. Let me begin by saying that Jesus has always been and he always will be. His beginning was not his birth in Bethlehem. John chapter 1 reminds us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by him. So Jesus has always been, and he always will be. What an interesting usage here, though, which you do not find very much in the Old Testament. Even in a reference to God the Father, he is called the Father here. The expression in the Hebrew is, is that Jesus is the Father of eternity. Speaking here of his concern, of his care, as a father would care for his family, nurture his family, provide for his family. Jesus is the everlasting Father. And then let me finish by noting that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Sean read it for us a few minutes ago. And as he prayed, he prayed that we would, we would all have peace, that we would know peace. And the only way to know peace is to know Christ. Now, how many of you have been riding down the road and you have passed a church and you've read the sign and you thought, man, that's about the corniest thing I've ever read? How many of you, come on, you read that before? I mean, you're riding down the road and you see, you know, what's missing? C-H-C-H, and then down below it says you are, right? Y'all will get that tomorrow morning sometime, all right? Or seven days without prayer makes one Instead of W-E-E-K, they put W-E-A-K, right? Like one week, okay. 
There's one that I saw for a while, and I thought, you know, there's another corny church sign, but the more I thought about it, I thought, no, that's really good. And it's on the screen for you right now because it really sums up life. No God, no peace. If you don't know God, if you say no to God, no, there's not a God, no God, I don't want you in my life, there will be no peace in your life. But if you know, K-N-O-W, if you know God, you can know true peace. And that peace comes through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the prince of peace. So I just want to ask you tonight, do you know him? Do you know him? Not do you know about him, not could you pass a Bible test and answer a bunch of Bible trivia questions? No, I'm asking you, do you know him? Matthew Henry said, what peace can they have who are not at peace with God? You see, here's the reality, gang. We believe the Scriptures. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's our final authority And it really says this. It says that we're all born into this world as sinners. We come into this world, we sin, we miss the mark. Because of our sin, we are separated from the holy and a righteous God. Romans chapter 5 says we're literally, we're enemies with God. We're at enmity with him because of our sin. And the only way that can be fixed or repaired, the only way we can have peace with God is through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Has there been a time in your life when you have made things right with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever truly acknowledged that you're a sinner, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, confessed your sin and confessed Him as Lord? Because the reality is, if you've never done that, then you're not at peace with God You're at enmity with God. And so we would pray tonight that you would come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Be the greatest Christmas you've ever had to truly know him, to know him in a personal way. I love the way Ray Ortland in his book, God Saves Sinners, he summed up Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 like this, and I'll give you this and I'll be done. He said, as the wonderful counselor, he has the best ideas and strategies, so let's follow him. As the mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily, so let's hide behind him. As the everlasting father, he loves us endlessly, so let's enjoy him. And as the prince of peace, he reconciles us while we are still his enemies, let's welcome his dominion. Welcome his dominion. When you say Jesus Christ is Lord, that means that you have turned loose of the authority of your life and you have surrendered to him. And that's how you're reconciled with the Father. A friend of mine I saw a couple days ago on Twitter, he said this. He said, people come to God and they say that They want God to accept them just the way they are. He said, when we come to God, we have to 
accept him just the way he is. If we don't do that, we make ourselves the superior one instead of him being the superior one. So we come to him in humility to confess our sin before him and so that we can be right with the Father. And the only way that happens is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment, a moment of prayer? Lord, thank you for Isaiah chapter 9, and thank you for the names that just give us a picture of who Jesus is for us, in us, and through us. Thank you that he is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. And I pray that everyone in this room would know Jesus in a personal way.